it's time to let go. Wednesday evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is the Blitz on Preston County's Mountaineer Station 96.7 K-Country. Reminding you, if you miss any of tonight's show, you can catch it all week long on the Sports Roundtable podcast on our website, 96.7. Let me try that again. (laughs) KCountryRadio.com or anywhere where you might find podcasts. My name is Chris Westfall, your host. Alongside Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host, week one of the college football season officially in the books after, my goodness, it seemed like a week's worth of football because football was on every night last week, just about, and into the long Labor Day weekend. And of course, coming out of week one, you never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to see. There were some upsets. There was some corny stuff that happened. We'll get to national college football here in a little bit. But first, well, we really didn't know what to expect from our Mountaineers, did we? And guys, I just want to say, I called it almost perfectly. I even almost had the score right. We make that early first quarter field goal and nailed it right on the head. While everybody else was thinking, ah, James Madison. And guys, don't say you weren't thinking they were another FCS team. That was a good football team. No? Neil Waldeck says no. <laughs> I want to believe they are, Chris. I want to believe that's why we only won by seven. They're a good team. Neil, he's still not buying the James no, Madison's good Just an ugly game from the Mountaineers, that's all. Okay. Well, what do we think's ugly? What did you learn week one about your West Virginia Mountaineers, Neil? Well, do you Let's want start. my like my pros and cons? Uh, both sure, sides sure. What, what, whatever you think you learned from well, that game. Well, I'm going to give you my pros and cons because I don't want you to think everything was negative okay. that I got from this uh, this game. But uh, what I did like, I liked the special teams. I thought they yes. showed up, had an excellent uh, outing for the Mountaineers. I liked that uh, Kendall managed the game, didn't turn the ball over. I did uh, connect on a couple of long passes for touchdowns, so I was uh, uh, pleased with him. A couple of things that I wasn't uh, impressed with was our uh, run defense. That was did not uh, look good at all. And um, we did not run the ball well. Um, what, I think we finished with 30, 40, 40 34 yards. 34 yards, officially. Now, Neil Those Hall. things we've got to correct and get better, or it could be a long season for this team. Now, hold on here a second, Neil. Before you start bashing on the running game, was it the running backs... Or was it the offensive line? Because in my opinion, what I learned about this Mountaineer team was what I thought all along is we are very weak up front. I saw an offensive line that got manhandled by an FCS defensive front. I'm with you. Uh, okay. I, I do believe that uh, that it's partly the, uh, or mostly, probably your offensive line. They've got to open up holes for your running backs to get uh to get through and, and make uh, yardage and and get first downs or pick up good yardage on, on run situations, and the holes weren't there. Uh, and they would just run into a block wall. And unless this gets corrected, it could be a long season. And so, uh, But they did it. The offensive line did a good line, uh, job protecting on pass, pass plays. They did a good job on that. At times. But they got to do better on the run. Kelly Gamble, moving to you now. What you learned week one about our Mountaineer football team this year? Well, the first thing that I want to believe is that James Madison is as good as that they was predicted to be. And that's the number two team in the FCS. And as we see, uh, Tennessee found out uh, that the, uh, you know, the FCS is no fluke. And Michigan's found that out in the past. So uh, they had four or five NFL prospects on this team. So I want to believe that James Madison is the team that uh, they're predicted to be and that the Mountaineers overall won a game that really, again, is against a good quality opponent. So with that being said, I'm in in agreement with Neil that there's no doubt you cannot win football games consistently without a run game. Uh, I think that they definitely have to make some adjustments there. I see that there's no changes really on the offensive line from the depth chart coming out for the next game. None. Uh, I think that there was a a couple unnecessary penalties on the offensive line as well. I mean, they, they they only had 35 yards in penalties. Uh, so overall, it was a well-played game. It wasn't a lot of penalized uh, for either team. 
But I just want to believe that the Mountaineers have the ability right now and that their defense, this is my thing, Chris, the defense overall, you're going against a team that put up 80 in the game. I understand it was against lesser quality opponents yeah. last year. But most of their offense back, they scored 80, 75 points in a game last year. Uh, and we held them to 13 points. So I want to think that the defense played much better the second half against the run. They made adjustments, which is the thing that I want to see from a coaching staff. After the first half, we made those adjustments, and they didn't run the ball on us, especially the quarterback, in the second half. So I I think the defense is more solid. And that's my main takeaway from this game. If you want to name pros and cons, Neil Brown went in in halftime and adjusted. And Neil Brown said, hey, we're going to do whatever it takes, and we're going to play whoever it takes to win a football game. And that's what they did in the first half. Now, when we're talking offensive line, Neil Brown saying that the things that he saw on film are all correctable. And throwing out the cliche, you make your biggest improvements from week one to week two. We will find that out and talk about week two here in a minute. Aaron Host, moving to you right now. I know you were in the stand Saturday. What did you learn week one about our West Virginia Mountaineers? I know the Mountaineers are going to be very uh, a team that's very adaptable to the situation. They're going to try to do whatever's best in that in the moment of time to win that football game. I noticed where at one point it seems like James Madison was running it down our throats, but then all of a sudden Vic Koning adjusted his defense, and then James Madison changed up to where Ben DiNucci was doing that quarterback option that just seemed to torch us for a while. But after a while, West Virginia will adjust and they'd shut down. I think it's one thing with the Mountaineers as they adjust to the situation. Biggest thing I saw out of the game is just like everybody else has said, the offense line was not firing off the ball. They were not opening up the running holes, which forced Austin Kendall early to pass the ball. And you could tell he was not in good connection with his wide receivers. He was missing deep balls, uh, miscommunication on routes. Um, the one good thing, like we talked before this show, is that he did not turn the ball over, which is definitely something that kept West Virginia in the game. West Virginia did not turn the ball over, where James Madison made some key mistakes on turnovers that allowed us to win that game late. You know, back to Kelly's point real quick, something I wanted to chime in on. You're talking about an improved defensive performance. Now, let's face it. James Madison wasn't the type of team to throw it around like you see in the Big 12. Do you think that this secondary got a challenge with James Madison? No, I don't. I I I mean, number one, James Madison's top receiver uh, that was returning was out for this game. So... So they didn't have the firepower overall. But, no, I don't think that they're anywhere close to uh, testing us the way that we'll see in the Big 12. But I think that it's good to, that the secondary got the opportunity to, to show themselves. And, again, there was a big pick uh, with Keith Washington. Again, that was because the defense was pressuring. And that's something we talked about last week, Chris, with, uh, that with pressure. That's, that's going to help the defensive backs. And so I think the defensive line is going to definitely – I see a big improvement with the fact that we changed the scheme – under Vic Coning, and I really think that the defensive line overall as a whole, and with the depth, it could be better, but I think that the offensive line is still our issue right here and again with the run game. But the defense overall, I just think, makes the secondary. So if you got linemen and linebackers making plays, uh, coming off the edge and put pressure on the quarterback, which we did. What did we have, four sacks? Yes. Uh, we had four sacks. That's going to help the secondary. Now, is Missouri's offensive line going to be – because James Madison had almost their entire team back. So, again, they, they did put up quality numbers last year against uh, the FCS and also, again, beat East Carolina last year by 20. So uh, I'm just looking forward to the defensive scheme, and I think that your defensive line and linebackers with pressure can make the defensive back's job much easier. And, again, great uh, halftime adjustments yeah. were made. Yeah. You look, your top two players, Neil Brown named their team players of the week. The top two players offensively, defensively. Offensive player of the week was Tevin Bush. Did not have a single touch in the first half. Defensive player of the week was Reuben James at the defensive end position. Again, did not do anything in the first half. So that proves right there that adjustments were made in the locker room and brought guys in that were going to make the plays. Austin Kendall Let's talk about him for a second. Aaron Host, I go to you. Your thoughts on how Austin Kendall performed. We've already mentioned no turnovers. Great game management. 
Thoughts on Austin Kendall? I think Austin Kendall was very slow to begin with in the first half. You could tell it just by the way his passes were. He was missing receivers on somewhat easy routes. He was, and I think part of that's with the just the new system he's playing under. I think the Sam James, a wide receiver who's a freshman, was kind of timid too. It was just their first game as a Mountaineer, and they were they were just playing uneasy. Now I think once they transitioned into the second half, Neil Brown made those adjustments. You could see Austin Kendall change his type of play. I think he was 14 of 18 in the second half, over 100 yards passing, and that uh, that set the tone for the second half of the game to where our offense was not stifled in the first the first half. We couldn't get nothing going. I mean, like you said, we couldn't get the run going, so Austin Kendall, we had to see what he was going to do to pass to, in order to win that game. Because the Russian defense wasn't, or the Russian offense was not, it was absent. And I think you saw that in the second half. We came out firing Tevin Bush. Sam James had a decent second half. Uh, George Campbell caught his first touchdown in his Mountaineer career. And once again, Tevin Bush set the tone, and he rightfully deserved that Offensive Player of the Week. Why do you think they didn't get the ball to Tevin Bush in the first half? Because that crossing route was there with other receivers, and then the second half, they go to Tevin Bush on that crossing route. Might have been the play that changed the game earlier and early on in the second half when when Kendall hit Tevin Bush for that big game right at the beginning of the half. Neil, thoughts on Austin Kendall's performance? Well, I mean, I thought he managed the game well. He's not going to light the world on fire with uh, you know his passing, but he he knows how to manage the game. The other thing is reason why I thought that they didn't go to Bush in the first half was they was trying to establish the running game mm-hmm. and i think that that was their goal do you, do you think that neil brown wants to throw the ball 42 times a game no because <laughs> that's a big number that is that, that, that's um, that's like old regime number right there 42 to 50 is what they would throw the ball yeah to. totally unexpected i didn't expect it but i will give tj simmons in the first half if it wasn't for simmons almost every yes. pass that he caught we didn't have many first downs in the first mm. half, but when we did, Simmons was a go-to guy. So I think James Madison made adjustments to Simmons in the second half because that's the only man that really was catching the ball for first downs. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had any first downs. So Simmons was the man in the first half. I think they kind of played their defense towards Simmons, which opened up Tevin Bush as well. But I think the middle was open all day long. It was. If they would have continued to throw the crossing routes across the middle. And his deep ball, he's, the timing is just not there yet. And, and that will come. The timing will come as you get more comfortable with receivers. But you saw him throw five deep balls, only connected on two. Now, both of them were touchdowns, one to George Campbell and one to Tevin Bush. So that's promising. It's just finding that guy that he he communicates well with, that the timing is there with, and it will be interesting to watch. Guys, overall grade on week one. Neil Waldeck, overall grade, you have to grade this team. You can even break it down into different segments if you would like. Well, I'm I'm going to give, uh, you know, the, the special team, I thought they deserved yeah, an I, A. Yes, definitely. And, and uh, the offensive line uh, blocking on runs, uh, I'm going to give a C-. minus. Oof. And <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Well, I would be much lower. So. And uh, pa- pass uh, their pass uh, protection, though. I'm gonna give it a B. Okay, I'd and, go with that. Uh, the quarterback play, you know, I'm gonna give it a uh, probably a B plus. I thought he did. He did he good. Did well. He didn't turn the ball over. I mean, I've seen where Will Will Greer would take that ball and he's running around and yeah. and he loses it. So you have to give Kendall. I thought he did uh, well. Um, defensively, overall, I thought, uh, you know, boy, this story is of two ha- story of two halves on defense. It was. Um, I- I'm gonna give them a B. Okay. I thought that uh, you know the 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 first half, um, you know, we gave up that touchdown, especially easy touchdown. I mean, the guy yeah. walks it in. Yeah. I thought, oh boy, this is not good. Um, but uh, we- there's still some improvement there. So overall, if I overall. Uh, from the game, I'm just going to give it a B. A B. Kelly Gamble. I, that's what I was thinking as well, a B. Right around a B. Um, I mean, when you break it down again, if this is a team that goes on, we can look back at this game some point in time throughout the Blitz and say, you know what, here we was thinking we wasn't very good, 
James Madison goes on to possibly win the FCS National Championship, and we may look at this game and think, you know what, they wasn't as bad as what we thought. That's what I want to believe. Well, I'm glad I convinced somebody that this was a good football team last week. I actually convinced Kelly. Neil's still shaking his head in disbelief. I think they're good. I mean, they they're loaded. <laughs> they have a, they have a they're loaded. Aaron Aaron Host, your your grade of the game overall. Well, I think the grade of the game overall is, once again, the story of two halves and you average that out. I think overall they were a B minus. I would mm. honestly say that. I wouldn't say a B plus. I wouldn't say a B. It had to be a B minus because the offense, offensive line throughout the game, especially rushing and rushing uh, protection, they were a C minus. They were very close to failing. I mean, you only allow 34 yards with the supposed plethora of running backs we have. I think the thing that set this team apart from James Madison was our special team play, and we talked about that last week, that that was one of the things that Neil Brown focuses on more than the old regime did. So I would have to say the special teams was a solid A because of the yeah, locked field I goal agree. and just how they, how they uh, held um, James Madison on the punt returns. I mean, you did have one kick return that was kind of long in the second half, but Mm. Be that as it may, I still think the special teams was an A. Now defense, I'm gonna have to say it was a. I'm gonna have to say it was a solid B. I mean, they did hold James Madison to the pass, but they did get torched pretty good on the run. Even after James Madison changed it up, they did kind of shut down the second half. But the offensive play, I think I was a C, a solid C, because I think the defense won that game. I don't think the offense really had too much to do with it. If it wasn't for Keith Washington's interception to set up the touchdown, I think we've been talking a totally different story. The The only other bad thing about special teams is Evan Staley did miss a field goal, so you have to give him a little knock on that. But I think overall you would have to give the Mountaineers – a solid B minus for the whole entire game. I'm a little lower than everybody. Overall, I'm at like a C. Uh, you know, I uh, defensively, yeah, it was good. I don't know how challenged you were. Offensively, I, I thought it was very poor. There were some bright spots. Offensive line, I, I thought was bismal. Um, in running, run blocking, I give them an F. Because um, let's face it, guys, 34 yards on offense is not going to win many games. Uh, quarterback play was decent. I say Austin Kendall was a B. Running backs, I'm unsure on. I don't even know how you can grade the running back situation knowing that uh, nobody blocked for him. So very interested. And like Kelly said, uh, no shakeups on that offensive line this week. So we'll, we'll see if maybe it is just a matter of improvement from week one to week two. A couple things that we're going to come back to in our next segment, guys. We talked a lot about the defense. We're going to see how things are different from going week one to week two in the kind of team that you're going to face. And are these Mountaineers ready for Kelly Bryant and the Missouri Tigers? We will be talking West Virginia, Missouri, week two of the college football season when we come back on the Blitz. the return of the fight song of the week. Now, the fight song of the week is a segment I like to do up against Neil Waldeck's song of the week. I do the fight song of the week. And guys, the team that most impressed me in week one, I'm a Tar Heel. I'm a Tar Heel. Mac Brown, man, goes and beats an SEC rival. In South Carolina. Guys, that's a team that won two games last year. Two games. And Rocks comes back, I should say, and beat South Carolina. Very tight game at the end. And then Mac Brown, I think that thing's gone viral. Him dancing in the locker room. Unbelievable. We'll talk more North Carolina coming up in segment three. And stay tuned for Neil Waldeck's Song of the Week. I have a hunch I can pick this week's song, and I don't even know it yet, but I just know. I just know Neil Waldeck and his DJing um, abilities. He, he's got a good one for you, I'm sure. Guys, week two brings a whole new challenge to the Mountaineers. Now, people are going to set and argue with me that Missouri lost in week one to Wyoming. This team's not that good. People are going to say that. 
I think Kelly Gamble already has said that. I did. So we know which way he's leaning in our pick segment. Guys, West Virginia got blown up on the offensive line last week. Now, <laughs> those guys were undersized linemen. Undersized. Do you, do you want to hear what Missouri's defensive line comes in at? 300, 310, 325, 300. That is not what James Madison was last week. How can this West Virginia defensive line, offensive line handle an SEC defensive line? Kelly Gamble? I'm going to tell you exactly why. The fact that these linemen, as you said, were undersized, have speed. And therefore, the Mountaineer offensive line in the run game had a harder time blocking speed than they will somebody who is 300 pounds. And obviously, Missouri's defensive line got blown off the line of scrimmage when it came to Wyoming. Again, who? how many times have you heard about the Wyoming Cowboys doing much of anything? And again, let's, they may have a great year. I don't know. But I watched the game and I, I saw them get blown off of the ball. So just because you're 300 pounds doesn't mean that you're going to have the agility. And so to me, James Madison's uh, versatility and their speed and agility actually caused us problems, and I think that Missouri will be less of a problem because of that. So, you know, they can be big and they can be strong, but they're easier blocked than someone who has agility. Neil, so, Neil Waldeck, do you agree with all that? I do. Uh, really? I do okay. believe that uh, he's right on that. And that could have been part of the reason uh, their offensive line, West Virginia's offensive line, had some issues of running because they are so quick. They were jumping in the gaps, and therefore then your running backs didn't have nowhere to go. Now, are these uh, guys that are 300-pounders that uh, Missouri has, are they going to be that quick enough to jump into that gap? Or can the running back get in there faster than the, the the ability of these big guys. They don't have to jump into the gap. They cover the gap. They're huge. And yeah, you got to move these guys. If you, we, if you we, can turn your offensive lineman on him and push him and, and create a hole where these guys for James Madison were so quick, they that, were in that hole. That's my thing, though. Can this offensive line that got manhandled last week move well, these I don't think guys? They got I, oh, I do. I, I think, think they, they just got out. They they were out hustled. That's what what it comes out to be. Out hustled. Well, but That's on, not a but good thing. But then again, those defensive linemen didn't get to the quarterback, so we didn't get blown up other than in the run game. But in the passing game, again, we gave up one sack. But but Kelly, come on, we cannot beat Missouri with thirty four yards rushing. No, well, no, I didn't say we would. But then again, Missouri just gave up three hundred yards rushing to Wyoming. So we're we're going to see it. It gets to play out. That's the good thing about it. We get the. Watch it all unfold. It's so early yet. We really don't know what we have because it has been one game. We don't know what James Madison has. So, And, again, Wyoming might be a surprise team here in college football. So Now, even though Missouri might have put up a dud against Wyoming in week one, no major changes to the depth chart, just one change at the linebacking position. Apparently, Coach Barry Odom and his staff have faith that the players can have a nice bounce-back game against the Mountaineers. Uh, guys, overlooking little over a little old Wyoming a little bit, were they? You know, uh, Kelly, my, watch. I, I didn't watch it, so I mean. Well, Chris, now my, my thought is, is where is the mind mentality of Missouri? Yeah, I was going to go they into that. Don't, they're not playing for a bowl game this year. So my question is, is where is the mind mentality going into that game where they like, hey, it's just a game. We win or lose, it doesn't make a difference because this ain't a conference game. Yep. So I, that that's my uh, wondering where their mind mentality is. And, and I have questioned that from the beginning of the season when I saw the schedule. Now, granted, Kelly Bryan is trying to impress NFL scouts. He's got one year to do it. He doesn't get a bowl game, so he's wanting to put up big numbers. But that also brings into question, what is the team aspect of this? We saw Kelly Bryan, and I didn't see the game, but I saw the highlights, make two huge mistakes in that game. The the interception in the end zone and a fumble very late that helped Wyoming secure that game. Reminds me a little bit of Will Greer last year. Mm. Um, you know, you can get so caught up on the quarterback and numbers uh, to impress scouts that you don't become a true teammate. And if that's the mentality they have, it's going to hurt them. 
Aaron Host, I turn to you. West Virginia, Missouri. Do you think West Virginia has trouble blocking this very big, stout SEC defensive line? I really don't think so. I kind of agree with uh, Kelly and Neil on this. Um, muscle, this is kind of want to get back to uh, muscle weighs more than fat. If you got a person that's uh, 250 pounds and real agile, chances are that muscle is going to be stronger than your than your skinnier lineman. Now, when you go to an SEC team and you're playing these guys that are all over 300 pounds, if they're not bulked up muscle wise, they're definitely going to be a lot easier to move. You just push them into each other, and that opens up the holes. Mm-hmm. Going back to Missouri's game against Wyoming. I think Kelly Bryant is the only person that is keeping this team alive this season. Kelly Bryant made you said he made two he made two mistakes. Well, that's because he has to. For Missouri to be successful is because of Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant is what runs that offense. If you can control Kelly Bryant, you can control Missouri and West Virginia will have a really good outcome. With that being said, the running backs, I mean, they they did decent, but Kelly Bryan had to force everything, and that's the reason he made two mistakes. You got other players that are not used to playing with the caliber of a quarterback like Kelly Bryan, and he's expecting them to do more. Well, when there's miscommunication, it doesn't necessarily mean Kelly Bryant made the mistake. It could have been the guy ran the wrong route, and he got intercepted. Fumble's a totally different story. But I know I, I do think West Virginia will have a better time running against the Missouri defensive line. I don't think just because you're a huge guy means you're harder to move. I mean, when I played football, even though you're a huge guy, it's all how you block them. I mean, it's all your leverage. And I, and I think Neil Brown and Coach Matt Moore is going to address that problem this week in practice. And I think they're going to have a totally – different outcome i know uh letty brown is questionable going into this game and that could be something to keep your eye on i would say that they're going to definitely make tevin bush more involved and you saw how that made him successful in the second half against the game against james madison my only concern this game is missouri does got a good backfield when it comes to passing and I think that's something the Mountaineers will definitely need to make the run game more apparent in this game to even have a chance at winning this game. Blocking aside, I think they got good pass protection, but they're definitely going to have to learn to push those Missouri linebacker, Missouri linemen around. And we got to remember, you're going to Missouri in the middle of September. It's not going to be a cold game. It's going to be very hot, very humid. Cramps could come into play, especially late in the game. You could see linemen going down to where this really tests the Mountaineers' depth at the lineman position where they'll have to be bringing guys in and out because guys are cramping up. All right, so let's transition now. We we know, we've already talked how West Virginia has up against them on this Missouri defensive front. Uh, Missouri kind of untested in the past game. Do you think West Virginia can utilize the passing game? Are they going to have to throw the ball 42 times again in this game, Neil? Yeah, they will. Really? Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't know if maybe that much, but uh, I do believe that Missouri is going to test that uh, that run um, run game of West Virginia, and they're going to put eight, ten guys in that box, and they're going to force West Virginia to throw the football. If West Virginia can get uh, Bush involved early in the game and not wait till the second half, and if they can connect on some passing routes – then I think that could open that running game up. And then I think you could see West Virginia become more of a a balanced offense, but it's going to have to take Kendall to get things going and find some open targets in the beginning. Neil Brown made a statement that surprised me after the game, Chris, that they didn't show everything. And my thought process is I love Neil Brown as a man, but they was in a game. And and I I felt really like, you know, you can't hold everything back from Missouri that you have – uh, in your repertoire, because he said we didn't show our full arsenal in our repertoire, and I'm thinking, man, you probably should have went with whatever you had to do well, because we was in dogfights. He, he did whatever he had to do to win. He did. They won, and but I mean, it was tight. I mean, it, and late you, in the game, it looked as though we the last quarter we pretty much had yeah. things under control. And if you can keep some in your book and not seen and still win, I, I have to agree with him. Well, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad they won. <laughs> 
But I hope that they bring out some a little more uh, They're going versatility to. this week. And I think Neil and I was talking. I mean, we need to get to Tevin Bush involved. You, I'd like to see the Mountaineers. When's the last time the Mountaineers threw a shovel pass? You know, little things like that to Tevin Bush that you can use as a run type game, even though it's considered a pass. You know, the they, they did try to get the ball a couple times to him on that little Tavon dump pass. That little as they're coming around, that didn't work. Any, didn't, it seemed no. like any time West Virginia was trying to go outside, they couldn't. They and, couldn't. And they the couldn't block have it. To do and that's receiving on the outside as well. And it's not only the line that's not blocking; right. it's the receivers as well. And Coach Brown Although covered on that. On the today. forty-one yard play, they made a nice. The receivers were doing a good job. I believe Ryan was actually made a nice block to open up that forty-one I, yeah. yard gain to Bush. So yeah. that was one play where the receivers did block well. But the receivers, if we're going to get these outside passes, bubble screens, the receivers are going to have to get their blocks. Kelly, I'm going to stick with you because I know you love defense. Okay, I know you love defense. I do love defense. So, last week, Missouri put up 537 yards and a loss to Wyoming. Kelly Bryant threw the ball for, let's see here, 31 of 48, 432 yards and two touchdowns with one interception. James Madison didn't throw the ball much. Okay, they they didn't. And West Virginia only gave up 156 passing yards, but that wasn't their game. This is a whole new game plan this week. A young Mountaineer secondary, how do they fail? How do they fare against a very good quarterback in Kelly Bryant? I think they're going to give up some yards. I do. I think that the the secondary will give up some yards and I think that Kelly Bryant is definitely uh, with all the hype, he's good. Um, but I think that overall it's going to be a, a better game than what a lot expect. I mean, Missouri's been made 12-point favorites, which really surprised me, even though, again, we didn't it's actually, look well. actually up to 14 now. Up to 14 up now. Up to 14. So, again, so the odds makers are already getting money laid on uh, Missouri. Mm. So, But either way, I think that they will give up some uh, passing yards, and I think it's a matter of bending but not breaking. I think that turnovers will be a big issue within this game as well, and if we can keep from turning it over, we can give up 300 yards but shut the running game down and still win this game couple guys you need to look for uh, offensively when Missouri tries to run the ball. Beatty led the team last week with 53 yards, even though he won't start. It's a it's a dual-headed running back system there. Um, how many receivers did they have catch pass last week? Was it nine re- different receivers caught passes? Kelly Brown was very efficient spreading yes, out the nine, ball. Yes, nine. Bringing and two all of them caught receivers seven. into play. I two mean, of them. Two of them caught seven. He's spreading the ball around. Guys, numbers like that, it's unbelievable to me that they lost that game. Came down to a couple plays, a couple mistakes, and you hope that that's what it'll come down to this week. Guys, without giving anything away, okay, without giving anything away, no predictions, anything like that, we'll get to that in our pick segment. Early in the year on our preseason show, I had this as a bubble game. One of four bubble games that the Mountaineers had to win, two of, okay? Do you think, do you feel better about the Mountaineers' odds going into this game knowing that Missouri lost last week to Wyoming? Neil Waldeck. I do. Okay. I think that, uh, you know, each game that they win, they build confidence. They got a big confidence uh, builder against James Madison, West Virginia did. And I think they go in uh, with a little bit of a, uh edge on their shoulder. And you got to think now Missouri comes in with that. Uh, they may have had an edge, but it's gone now. They lose to, to Wyoming. And so now you have this West Virginia team who's got a lot of confidence coming in. And maybe Wyoming, or uh, Missouri, excuse me, coming in, maybe questioning themselves a little bit. So, um, you know, West Virginia may have an advantage in this in this game. Kelly? Absolutely. I just think that with the, the amount of yards given up to Wyoming, that uh, West Virginia has to feel better about themselves. Uh, there's no doubt it opened me up to a, a new realm uh, by watching it because I did watch Wyoming run through roughshod through the Missouri defense. So, absolutely, I think that they have an opportunity. Sitting there watching the Mountaineers Saturday afternoon, I, I was like, oof, it's going to be ugly, and it's going to get ugly next week. And then later on in the night, I, I see Missouri lost uh, to Wyoming. So, yes, things change, but I, I still think this is a completely different animal than you played last week in James Madison. I'll 
stop there before I give anything away. Aaron Host, did your opinion of West Virginia, Missouri change after the 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 Missouri lost to Wyoming last week? Without a doubt, it showed that a non powerhouse, non power five school can go up against an SEC team and knock them off. And that's even with a quarterback of the level and caliber of Kelly Bryan, who has won a national title with Clemson. And I think it just shows the Mountaineers. This kind of gives a blueprint, if you will. It shows how they can match up against them, play against them, because where West Virginia wasn't able to run against James Madison, Wyoming was able to dominate Missouri on the ground. They had to. They had to. I mean, only passing for 94 yards. If they didn't have a rushing attack, I would game would have been ugly for the Wyoming Cowboys. So I think it definitely changes my perception of the game. And now that Neil Brown got to a lot of the players first start out of the way against James Madison, he understands what he's got, and now he knows what he needs to adjust. He has game film on Missouri. He knows how to kind of scout them and play against them in a way that he thinks possible of producing a win. So I think definitely of Missouri losing, that you can take the good things away from what Wyoming did and change on what you've done wrong to help make it a better productive outcome for the Mountaineers on Saturday. Speaking of the big teams losing to the little teams, guys, bad week for the SEC last week. For the, uh, as Neil would say, bottom half of the SEC. Missouri lost to Wyoming. Tennessee loses to Georgia State. North Carolina knocks off South Carolina. And there was one more in there as well. I know I'm forgetting. But there there were teams that just got knocked off. And you know, Oregon should have beat Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, that's our next segment. Okay, we're going to talk about our takeaways from week one of the national college football scene. Don't forget, everybody, if you missed any part of the show tonight, you can find us on the Sports Roundtable podcast all week, go to our website, kcountryradio.com. We're back with more on the Blitz right after this. Segment three of the Blitz. Neil, I don't even need you to introduce your song of the week. I already know what it is. What? How do you know what it is? I just know, man. It's the Eye of the Tiger. It is. The Missouri Tiger. You know, and how I guessed that it was the Eye of the Tiger. I don't know. How did you know? Because every time we play a team called the Tigers... <laughs> This is the Neil Waldeck Song of the Week. I never get tired of hearing it, though. We better quit uh, playing teams that are Tigers, right? (laughs) Every time. Never fails. (laughs) It's a great song, though. Yeah, it is. It'll get everybody wound up. It gets you pumped, Neil? Yeah, it does. I'm ready to play football right now. Let's go. You ready to go run through a wall or something? (laughs) Maybe the door over there in Studio B? Guys, a lot happened. It was a busy week one. Uh, Football started last Thursday and just rolled right through Labor Day. Uh, Crazy games. Some surprises out there. Guys, we've already heard your takeaways of week one for the Mountaineers. I would love to hear some of your takeaways on week one throughout the country. First off, going right to Kelly Gamble, who took the biggest hit of us all. As his Oregon Ducks, quack, quack, went down in flames. The duck laid an egg. Um, they had the game on. They did. And, Kelly, let me ask you. Can a team out of the Pac-12 conference, like the Oregon Ducks, lose that game to Auburn and still make the Final Four? Funny you should ask because I, I think that in most cases the answer to that is no because they're not as powerful as the SEC and even uh, ACC and Big Ten possibly when it comes to that. Um, but this year I don't see four teams going undefeated. So if Oregon runs the table and, again, you lost to a quality SEC opponent first game of the year uh, and if Auburn also has to farewell, uh, then there's a possibility. Uh, but most of the time I'm going to say no to that, but I just don't see four teams this year going into the playoffs undefeated. So there's a possibility. You remember last year I took Washington 
You did. In my Final Four, they got beat week By one. Auburn in week one. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't make it. They could never recover. So I say most of the time I'm going to say no, but I think Oregon can run the table. Is that your biggest takeaway from uh, week one? That was the biggest game of the weekend, and yes, I mean Oregon still has an opportunity. They have a good quarterback, but he made a big mistake in that game. But yeah, yeah I think they can run the table. They should have been up in that game 35-6 at halftime. They just let Auburn hang around, and when you let a team like Auburn just hang around, they're eventually going to get the best of them. Auburn don't win pretty. No, they don't. It, their fans don't like it they either. They win gritty. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Host, takeaways from week one college football on the national scene. One thing I want to say is don't underestimate the underdog. I mean, there's teams when they come into games, you think, well, this is going to be an easy win or the team's going to easily lose in this game. Don't underestimate. And you saw that when Mac Brown went up against uh, – uh, South Carolina, he uh, he got his first win as the Tar Heels head coach. North Carolina only went in two games last year. He's already halfway there to meeting last year's win total. So I, I would just say don't underestimate any of the underdogs, and Clemson is still the number one team in the nation. I know they didn't have a hard game against the team they played, but they they, they get a challenge week two. It's on our pick sheet. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not leading into that either. Even though I don't, th- I, I do have them repeating as my uh-huh. national title champions. If that gives away my pick for week two, but and uh, I just think, like I said, don't underestimate the underdogs. Now, now I know you had a lot of feelings about the Oklahoma Houston game on Sunday night. I did. I had tears of joy at the end of the game at that game. Do you really think Jalen Hurts looked that good? I do. You you really thought Jalen Hurts looked good? I really do. I mean, he's a guy that's won a national title with Alabama, and to win a national title with Alabama and won in the toughest conference and win in the toughest game, you have to have some talent. And for him to transfer to Oklahoma, I mean, he just adapts to the situation. I'm not saying he's a horrible guy to a tug of Iloa was just a better passer. doesn't mean he was a horrible passer. It just means Nick Saban put the next best man in there, and it produced results. It didn't produce a national title. Do I think if Jalen Hurts was in there last year, would man win the national title? No, because they got shellacked by Clemson. But, I mean, you saw that when Jalen Hurts goes off for what he did. I can't remember the exact numbers. Over 100, like over 150 yards rushing, yeah. over 400. It was yards an passing. Oklahoma record in an opener. It's, he was 20 of 23 it's, as well. It's something but, that should be a test. Aaron, you know this, man. Dana Holgerson teams don't play defense. Well, Dana Holgerson teams don't play defense, but neither does most of the Big 12's teams either. I mean, the Big 12 historically has been known to be a bad defensive conference, and I think that's what's going to produce results. Hey, let's throw this out here, because for all these years we talked about Dana Holgerson and defense, and, you know, Tony Gibson just was the defensive coordinator, so he took a lot of crap for giving up yards and points. Anybody see what NC State did to East Carolina? 34 to 6 under a Tony Gibson led defense. Give it up for Gibby. It's a new regime and again the ACC is not used to it yet. I mean so yeah. you know I think that the Big 12 had plenty of time to My biggest takeaway week 1 North Carolina over South Carolina. Mac Brown, I've already mentioned it, takes a two-win team from last season and beats and a basically a rival, out of conference rival. Also, my goodness, there are still a lot of problems in Florida State. A lot of problems in Florida State. They were up big on Boise and just let Boise crawl right back into this. And one more qu- comment about Oklahoma. Still not sold on Jalen Hurts because he did that against Dana Holgerson's team. Secondly, I was really impressed with Oklahoma's defense until they let them slither right back into the game. It looked good at the beginning, but as time wore on, they were able to move the ball and score some points. But you have to like that, even though and you may not be a big Hurts fan or whatever, but Coach Riley does an excellent job of letting Hurts run the plays that he wants, he and he feels comfortable with what he's doing out there. It's going and that's to, the, the there's key. going to come a time, though, when I don't think Lincoln, Lincoln Riley is patient enough to say, hey, Jalen, 
we're, we're going to let you run the ball all over the field. You need to stand back there, and you need to whip this thing all over the park. And, and that's where I think you come into a problem. Neil, takeaways from week one for you in college football. Well, just, uh, you know, I thought the shocker probably was the Tennessee-Georgia uh, State game. Yep. Uh, Georgia State, uh, really, I thought, um, handled Tennessee pretty well. I was shocked over that. In uh, in the Florida State game, I mean this Boise quarterback, he's a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a composure! He had a chip on his shoulder the whole game. Came in there, played well, uh, even when they were down in the first half, and he still comes out the, in the second half, plays with a chip on his shoulder, and comes back. I, I look for great things for Boise State because they should win their conference, no question about. It. Nobody mentioned Iowa State. Iowa State just barely squeaked out a win. Three overtimes. I was impressed with Texas. Yeah, Texas looked good. And we'll talk more about Texas coming up in the pick segment as they got a huge game in Austin this week. Um, Iowa State, we're all high on Iowa State. Each and every one of us get taken to triple overtime by FCS Northern Iowa and barely squeak out a win. What, What is this saying? And what about Kansas? They get a win. Mm. I know it's early in the season, but Les yeah. Miles, I mean, mm. gets them gets them a win. That's what they they needed. I, I, I think you what it says, Chris, is the FCS is way better championship and has caught up to the Division One. Uh, here's the thing. Hold on, let me check this. Big Twelve undefeated in Week One. Yeah, yeah. Nobody lost. No. Oklahoma State looked good against Oregon State. Yes, I watched half of that. Aaron's changing his pick for the Big 12 championship, by the way. A little side note there. little side note. But now, he's, Iowa he's State, back to Texas, Oklahoma. Iowa State could have been a little bit look, overlooking uh, that opponent of theirs because being a weak uh, and opponent. It, and it is an in state thing. Northern yeah. Iowa in there looking for blood. Hey, guys, um, big news in our pick segment. Last year's winner, Neil Waldeck, defending champion Neil Waldeck. That's he great. is in the lead, but he is tied with our cellar dweller from last year. Yes, Aaron Host goes seven and four and ties Neil. I had an okay week at six and five. Kelly Gamble with a losing record. All right, in week one at five and six. Yeah, got to straighten that around, Kelly. Oh, uh, it'll be all right. It's week one. Week one. All right. You won't pick those ducks no more. Hey, but we're yes, going to. I will. I'll pick them the rest of the year. <laughs> We got to do our pick six segment next, where we pick six of the top games in college football. Stay tuned for that right here on the Blitz. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wednesday night. We're talking football with the boys. It is the Blitz on 96.7 K Country. Chris Westfall, Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host. Guys, we've already talked about the standings for our weekly football picks for a dinner that has still been undecided at the end of the football year. Uh, Neil Waldeck, Aaron Host, tied at the top at 7-4 and four after week one. I'm setting in third at 6-5. and five. Kelly Gamble bringing up the rear at 5-6. and six. Guys, let's start our pick six segment. Of the show where we pick six of the top games in college football this week. And make sure you tune in to the Sports Roundtable podcast where we will pick five more exclusive games there at the end of the podcast. We will start out with defending champion and right now tied for the lead, Neil Waldeck, Saturday at noon on ABC. Cincinnati knocks off UCLA in week one. Luke Fickle. Has it gone at Cincinnati? Can he go into the horseshoe and beat fifth-ranked Ohio State? Well, they didn't really impress me a whole lot against UCLA, and UCLA is uh, probably on a down year. Uh, can they go in and beat Ohio State? No. I think Ohio State, a little too much. Uh, the the environment, uh, way too much uh, for the Bearcats, so I'm taking Ohio State. Aaron Host in second, also at 7-4. and four. Aaron Host, Cincinnati, Ohio State. There is no chance of going with Cincinnati this week. Ohio State's going to roll in this game. I will take Ohio State as well. I was toying with the idea of pulling the upset here, but nah. Nah, Ohio State uh, wins big. Kelly Gamble. I agree. 
Okay. Noon Eastern, ESPN. Going to go to Aaron Host first on this. We have the number 22 ranked Syracuse Orange, who beat Liberty last week. Going up against Maryland, and I heard you talking about this game earlier because Maryland put a whooping on old Howard, 79 to nothing. Do you like him against an actual team in Syracuse? I, I want to say first, I'm sorry, Howard, that you guys went through that game. <laughs> um, Maryland will win this game because they're at home, and I, I just think with them playing at home, they will up. So, well, they'll beat Syracuse. I got it on good authority, and that would be my stepdad because he's a big Maryland fan. Uh, Maryland's going to be good this year, but however, he says that every year. But I still like Maryland at home against Syracuse. Kelly Gamble. I agree. That's one of the teams that last year we talked about at the end of the season, mm-hmm. that Maryland would look out for Maryland this upcoming year. And I, I'm big on Maryland. I think Maryland has a chance to have a great year. Neil Waldeck. I'm going with the uh, Terrapins as well. Wow, I thought somebody would jump on Syracuse there with them being the ranked team. Guys, uh, we mentioned already, Big 12 undefeated in Week 1. Here comes a tough little test for the new head coach down there at Kansas State. Bowling Green travels into the Little Apple to take on the Wildcats on Saturday at noon. I I know it it might raise some eyebrows with the new head coach at Kansas State, but I think the Wildcats pull it off. Kelly Gamble. I agree. I think that uh, you know if it was that Bowling Green, I might have went a different way. But right now, I think that Kansas State goes two and zero. Neil Waldeck. I'm going with an upset here. Uh-huh. I like uh, Bowling Green. I think they uh, squeak out a win over Kansas State. And Aaron, will you go upset here? Bowling Green does not have Jarrett Deggy, and I think Kansas State will win. Where's Jarrett Deggy at? Uh, I believe he's somewhere oh, in this state yeah, of West Virginia. Yeah, he's redshirted. I think. Yeah, he got redshirted. Okay. Uh, skip over a couple games there on your list. Let's go to the big one. Saturday night. This is a huge game, guys. Remember in the preseason picks, I said these two teams will meet again in the playoffs. I'm sticking to this because I think this is going to be one heck of a game. 7.30 on ABC, you get the sixth-ranked LSU Tigers taking on the number 9-ranked Texas Longhorns. Neil Waldeck, going to you first. I'm going with the, uh, you know, you said I like Tigers. Yeah. And uh, I'm going with the uh, LSU Tigers here in this one over the uh, Texas Longhorns. It's going to be a tough game, but I think LSU uh, squeaks it out. You know, if I still had the eye of the Tiger queued up, I would have played it for you again. (laughs) I really would have. Aaron Host, LSU Texas. Horns down. Ooh, also going LSU. Kelly, I'm going LSU. I'm going to be the oddball. Uh, I love the winning mentality of the Texas quarterback. And I think this is a year, again, I called Maryland and Texas last year at the end of the season. Texas gets it done at home. All right. So we got one for Texas. I still like Texas winning the Big 12, and I, I do. I think this is going to be a really game to watch, really good game to watch. If you guys only get a chance to watch one game this week, please turn in LSU, Texas, 730 ABC, Saturday night. Over in the SEC, Mississippi, man, Rich Rodriguez's debut as the offensive coordinator did not go well, putting up 10 points against Memphis. Mississippi will get Arkansas at home this week, 7.30. We'll go to Aaron Host first. Ole Miss is going to beat Arkansas. I agree. I think Ole Miss bounces back and beats Arkansas. Arkansas, one of those teams, two wins last year. I think Mississippi gets it done against Arkansas. Kelly? Arkansas might have a one first in their column, but they didn't look good at all. I'm going with Mississippi. And Neil Waldeck. And I agree. I'm going with uh, Mississippi in this matchup. Thought somebody I'd get somebody to jump on Arkansas there. Wow. All right, guys, this is our last game in our Pick 6 segment. I want to remind everybody to please turn on the Sports Roundtable podcast. If you did not catch all the show tonight, you can catch it all there throughout the week, plus an exclusive pick segment where we pick five more games. That's coming up here in just a second. If you're listening on the podcast, stay tuned, okay? we got to talk about our game. Guys, Barry Odom leads the Missouri Tigers. It is their home opener. They lost to Wyoming last week. Neil Brown, new coach this year. Interesting thing for me in this game. This was a home-and-home series. We played Missouri two, three years ago up here. 
It was Barry Odom's first year. He had a very inexperienced team that came into Morgantown. West Virginia had the experienced team. West Virginia won a close one. Will this be a close game? What is our champion? Neil Waldeck thinking in Studio A. Well, I'm going to take uh, Missouri in this matchup. I think Missouri may be just a little too much. Being at home, it's their home opener. And I'm looking uh, Missouri 31, West Virginia 17. Aaron Host, will we get a Mountaineer victory? Q Country Roads by three. Three-point Country Roads, West Virginia. Kelly Gamble. I just sang Country Roads with the Mountaineer mascot, Timmy Eads. Yeah, I saw and you on Facebook, man. You look good. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. And last week, I would have never thought this, but after watching Missouri get dismantled by Wyoming, I am taking the Mountaineers in an upset, also by three, 31-28 Mountaineers. Guys, come on. Come on. Now I pointed out all the things that you need to look at at this game. West Virginia got whooped up front last week by... James Madison, a yep. very good FCS school, but they're still an FCS school. Missouri outsizes West Virginia defensive line to offensive line. We can't block James Madison. We cannot block Missouri. We never got challenged in the past game. Kelly Bryant is going to light this young secondary up. However, I do see this being a closer game than what I had it last week. I think Missouri beats West Virginia 35-21. West Virginia stays in it third, halfway through the third quarter before Missouri just kind of runs away with it. Guys, we're going to pick some more football games. Stay right where you are. Make sure you listen to the Sports Roundtable podcast for our last five exclusive picks here on The Blitz. And welcome back to the exclusive pick segment here on the Sports Roundtable. The man in charge of this show is with us today. He is tied for second in our yearly pick segment. Aaron Host, why don't you give some more details about this podcast since it's your little baby? Well, so so everybody knows uh, podcasting is, uh, well, for free. So if wherever you hear your, the Sports Roundtable, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Tune in radio, Stitch Radio, KCountryRadio.com. We're hoping to get Spotify here soon. I don't, I can't give a timetable on that, but we want to get it on Spotify here soon. All you have to do is hit the like button, subscribe it, rate it, let us know, and it's it's free to download on your phone. Listen to it anytime. I know I listen to podcasts regularly before I come to talk on sports shows, just so I know about the game. Just so I just uh, just just basically drown myself in sports knowledge. So it's definitely something for a sports fanatic out there to keep tabs on, especially for the Mountaineers this season. Since you had such a great week last week, Aaron Host, coming in at 7-4, and four, I'm going to give you first crack at one of the big games of the week. 3.30 p.m., ABC, number 11, Texas A&M, 1-0 on the season, taking on the Clemson Tigers. The number one ranked Clemson Tigers, you teased your pick already to this earlier on in the Blitz. I think Kevin Sumlin's definitely on the hot seat down there at A&M, but I think his seat's going to get even hotter after this game. Dabo Sweeney will come out with a win, and I don't think it'll even be close. Clemson just pounded on Georgia Tech in week one. Kelly Gamble, can Texas A&M give Clemson a game, or could they pull the upset? No, I think Clemson wins by at least two touchdowns or more. Clemson, to me, is the best football team, not just because they won the national title, but because they have everybody back. So they're the best football team in the nation right now. Clemson wins. Neil Waldack, Texas A&M, gave Clemson one heck of a game last year in College Station. Can they do it again or not? They're going to give them a game, but I think Clemson just a little too much. They squeak out a win. I'm looking at a 41-38 game. Clemson wins over Texas A&M. I'll take Clemson. As well, I, I was trying to get somebody to bite on it, but I guess not. 2 p.m., uh, Georgia Tech, the team that got beat up by Clemson in week one. South Florida had the honor of taking on Wisconsin, and that wasn't very pretty either. Now South Florida will travel to Georgia Tech in week two. Kelly Gamble, South Florida, Georgia Tech. 
South Florida looked bad as what Georgia Tech did. Georgia Tech at home. Neil Waldeck. I'm taking Georgia Tech in this matchup as well. I will take Georgia Tech as well. And Aaron Host. Georgia Tech. Hey, did anybody catch the Nevada game? Nevada-Purdue last Friday evening. Came down to a last-second field goal. Get this. True freshman kicker for Nevada. A walk-on. True freshman kicker. Nails a 56-yard field goal with one second on the clock to win the game. They award him the game ball and a scholarship after the game. Can Nevada pull another upset this week as they take on Kelly's Ducks that might be a little wounded coming in? To week two. Kelly Gamble, I'll let you take a shot. Good thing about a wound is it heals. And uh, they will heal this week, and the Ducks will prevail and fly. Aaron Host. Oregon Ducks are going to have uh, a vengeance on their mind from last week's loss. I will take Oregon as well. Neil Waldeck. Yeah, I'm going with the uh, Ducks in this matchup. I think they rebound. No disagreement. Let's see if we can get any disagreement on this next one. 8 o'clock. ACC Network, Miami travels to North Carolina. Now, I would have never even had this on the pick sheet until North Carolina knocks off South Carolina, and we saw how sloppy Miami looked in week one against uh, Florida. Can Mac Brown pull two straight upsets in his North Carolina comeback season? Neil Waldeck. Yeah, I'm going with North Carolina in this matchup. I think Mac Brown, he's a veteran coach. He knows what he's doing. He's got this team lined up. And after that big win over South Carolina, they got a lot of confidence going into their home opener. Would you have picked North Carolina last week before the game? Probably not. But <laughs> after I've seen that, what Mac Brown, he's still got the magic he's going. still got it. He? And man can dance, too. Yes, he can. He can dance. Kelly Gamble, you going upset here? North Carolina over Miami? No. No. Miami wins. Miami. Kelly Gamble goes with Miami. Aaron Host, Miami, North Carolina. Manny Diaz's seat is very hot, and I think he's Very be, hot? He just got hired. Oh, uh, it's going to be hot. It's <laughs> okay. You're down in Florida. Well, it may be a little bit wet now. It may be a little bit. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, it may have cooled it down there, but, I mean. You're taking North Carolina. No, I'm taking the U. You're taking the U. Okay. Hey, I'll tell you what. Mac Brown, what a legend. Don't mess with legends. Manny Diaz has his work cut out for him trying to build that program. Everybody has. I'm telling you what, North Carolina does it again. They strike in week two as well. I like them over the Hurricanes. Finally, our last pick of the night, guys. 10.30 on ESPN. Stanford played a very boring game but beat Northwestern. In week one, they're ranked 23rd in the country, taking on the USC Trojans. Kelly Gamble. I uh, like Stanford. Stanford plays defense, and that's the one team, again, I said last year that plays defense in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. Stanford. And it looks like they got that back after that Northwestern game. Neil Waldeck. Well, USC lost their quarterback. I was hoping somebody saw that. Dag so, on it. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going with Stanford in this matchup just because of that issue there. Aaron Host. The Cardinals. Cardinals, yeah. USC losing their starting quarterback for the season. He's done. And because of that, I think Stanford can go on the road, pull out a win. And I tell you, if you want to hear somebody on the hot seat, head coach there at USC, mm, they weren't happy with him moving into the season. And, of course, big talk is they they want USC and the fan base want them to lose because they want to bring in <clears throat> a man who keeps retiring, Urban Meyer. Oh, I just got the ire stirred up of everybody in the room. I love doing that at the end of the show. I love it. You should have saw him in Studio B. I told you, Urban Meyer will be back. When the going gets tough, Urban Meyer starts retiring, and then he comes back Can in I, next I, I want to hey, say something. Go for I it. I want to say something about Urban Meyer. So... <laughs> After Urban Meyer left, we all know the debacle last year where he threw his own wife under the bus. Yeah, yeah. We're still Did you hear that. the class he's teaching at Ohio State? Yeah, it's like ethics and how to be a good person. Yeah. Uh, isn't that the most ridiculous <laughs> thing on this side of the planet? It's almost like, 
I don't know. I don't, I, I don't want to throw shade at anybody, but... Kelly Gamble, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Urban Meyer teaching an ethics class at Ohio State? Seems unethical. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just rumors. We don't know if it's true, but that's what the USC it's, fan it's, base it's, it's like Dana Holgerson teaching a health and wellness class of what to put into your body and keep yourself good in good shape. I mean, Was, was Huggins the, uh, the assistant in that? I think he was the graduate professor. Graduate professor. Um, did you did see Mike Leach at Washington State? He he taught a class over the summer semester at Washington State. Insurgent warfare and football strategies. Was there anything about closing people in a, like a tool shed or anything I, I, like that? I, and no, shutting the lights no, but off. I'm sure there was a lot of talk about pirates. I, I pirates. think he should join together with a psychology class as well while he's at it. <laughs> Guys, I hope you enjoyed our sports roundtable simulcast with the Blitz. Make sure you catch us next week right here. Same time, same place.